3: Welcome to Fantasy Football Weekly, a production of iHeartRadio.
1: Time now for Fantasy Football Weekly from iHeartRadio. Your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy speculation and advice. Now, along with the guys from GuillotineLeagues.com. Here's your host, Paul Charchian.
3: Welcome to another edition of Fantasy Football Weekly. I am Paul Charchian. My co-host today, like last week, Brian Johnson, guillotineleagues.com, and Matt Harrison, shock fantasy. Yeah. Bzzz. Bzzz. Where do you shock? Where do you deliver the shocks? And at what both <laughs> that's what I want to know. Uh, yeah, d- I'll get my know. mind out of the gutter, <laughs> don't worry. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> lots of great stuff. You know, speaking of the gutter, lots of great stuff coming up in this show, it, including the show. From the gutter. From the gutter, <laughs> like the stink hole. Oh no. The stink hole. We're what gonna, to do? Well, that's, this <laughs> is the gutter show. <laughs> this is the gutter show. It really is. It's, we're going to get there and stay there.
4: It might be one place where the shocker. Anyway. The Stinkhole is,
3: we believe, pick five. We're going to tell you what to do. We think the first four picks are pretty obvious in most leagues, and the same four players are predominantly going in the first four picks. But what do you do with picks five through 12? We'll tell you a little later in the show when we venture into the Stinkhole and Beyond. Wow. You've been working on that radio voice. I was practicing on that a little bit. We'll identify the bell cow runners around the league. We'll talk about the teams that have the most vacated targets, so there's some opportunities to find an up-and-coming player. And then, perhaps the annual highlight of the preseason of Fantasy Football Weekly, the Reach Around. Mm. Yes, we will be providing... A player upon whom you can reach a round on in every round of your draft. We used to do this at the
4: live training camp event, which unfortunately we're not doing this year. But there was nothing better than doing reach-arounds yeah, in front, in front, front of, of hundreds, hundreds people. of people. Oh yeah. Thousands. Yeah, <laughs> thousands. Yeah, exactly.
5: Absolutely true. Sometimes
3: sometimes you got to pay to see stuff yeah. like that. It was free. But first, we do a quick zip around the NFL training camps, preseason games, and find out what you may have missed. What are the big stories for each team, beginning with the Carolina Panthers? Matt? Uh,
5: Practicing against the Ravens this week, and the offensive line is very messy for the Panthers. Taylor Moten, who is the normal right tackle, getting reps at left tackle since Cameron Irving is out. And mixing and matching the O line is always just a really great, oh, great. sign for everybody. Mm-hmm. They also signed Markel Harrell, who was recently cut by the Raiders to the offensive
3: line. They're in flux a little bit there. Uh, bad offensive line, anyway. Yeah. And now, reason to think, you know, it could potentially be the worst in the league. Uh, let's go to the Raiders.
4: Yeah, Brian. let's go to Las Vegas. Sounds good to me, where Darren Waller has returned to practice. Hallelujah. That's that's pretty much the biggest news coming out of <laughs> Las Vegas uh, this past week.
3: All right. I'll go to Green Bay, where I have several injury updates. After playing well last week, Jordan Love's shoulder injury is going to keep him out of this weekend's preseason game, and maybe longer than that. Uh, Aaron Rodgers returned to practice after missing some time, so good news there. A.J. Dillon nursing a calf injury, but should be back soon. And non-injury news from the Packers. Robert Tunyon continuing to get rave reviews, Mm -hmm. and he keeps inching up. Every week I move him up a spot or two on my rankings. uh, He could be sitting on a really nice season. Let's go to the Washington football team, Matt. Uh, Seventh-round rookie wide receiver Dax Milne
5: is drawing praise from Ron Rivera in camp, calling him a great route runner with good size. Had a decent showing in the preseason opener, which included a nice punt return. You know, coaches love those guys who can chip in on special teams, too. He's got a chance to be a third or fourth wide receiver there in
4: Washington.
3: All right. Brian, let's go to Buffalo.
4: I am very excited about this, and you are as well-charged. I can only imagine Zach Moss return to practice. I'm glad. and uh, that, Yes. 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 Uh, and he's going to be my RB1 when I take down our Empire League this year, fellas. Mm. Zach Moss. Bank, it. Bank on it.
3: Uh, Houston Texans. The athletic reporters say that Philip Lindsey could lead the team in carries. And... If you recall, a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned that their first depth chart that Mm -hmm. they published had Philip Lindsay and Mark Ingram as co-starters. And we're like, what? But that might actually be the case. I uh, noticed on Underdogs
5: ADP this week that Lindsay is now one above David David Johnson. Johnson.
3: And I think that is appropriately so. And David David Johnson's looking like this is a real danger for him. Mm -hmm. And then Tyrod Taylor appears to be headed for the team's week one starter role. Let's head over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Matt. Uh, Antonio Brown
5: got thrown out of practice after ripping off the helmet and punching Titans corner Chris Jackson during joint practices. Fiery competitor competitor or
3: psycho? You be the judge. I I think we already know. (laughs) Cleveland Browns, Brian.
4: We all know OBJ in Cleveland, right? But I'm we familiar. need to get to know DJP Donovan mm-hmm. Peoples Jones, who's been lighting up camp. <laughs> you uh, said DJP, oh. DPJ. Ah. <laughs> 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 I was seeing if you guys. I knew I was going to mess that up. DPJ Donovan <laughs> Donovan Jones Peoples. No, <laughs> Donovan Peoples Jones. Something D-P-J.
3: peanut and jelly. Donut,
4: donut, maybe donuts peanut peanut jelly. Peanut and jelly that, that sounds. We'll, we'll good. work. We'll work this out. We'll workshop this off there. D.P.J. has looked great. Uh, last year, he was the 25th rook, uh, wide receiver taken in one of like the mm-hmm. deepest rookie classes. Uh, he finished fourth in that class, though, in average uh, yards per route run. Uh, showed some flashes late uh, after OBJ went down. During weeks 13 through 15, D.P.J. posted the second most yardage on throws 20-plus yards downfield. He's going to be the uh, third wide receiver for the Browns looking good.
3: Indianapolis star beat writer Jim Aiello, after sniping me one pick before I was going to take Paris Campbell, took Paris Campbell, Mm. and then, after he took him, told me that no receiver in camp has gotten more consistent separation than Paris Campbell. Good job, Jim. His speed has returned as well, as evidenced by his long reception in the first preseason game. Uh... Remember in Campbell's one full game last year. He only got one because that's how that's how Paris Campbell rolls. 6 catches, 71 yards and he rushed for 9 more yards on top of that. He's a freakish athlete and a nice sleeper.
4: That sounds like insider drafting from mm. Iello. Is that is that allowed? To uh... Well, he just did it to me. Mm.
3: The
5: Detroit Lions, Matt. Uh, Dan Campbell called himself an a-hole after cutting long snapper Don Moolbach on his 40th birthday. But in all seriousness, Tyrell Williams appears to be the top wide receiver on the depth chart as of now. And he's probably worth a late-round flyer in most leagues. Let's go to the Jets.
4: Zach Wilson and Corey Davis have been clicking as of late. Right now, Corey Davis is going off the board roughly around wide receiver 50. Yeah. Seems a little late for a guy they just paid a lot of money to and is probably going to get leaned on heavily by uh, the rookie quarterback in uh, New Jersey.
3: I keep talking about the Chiefs offensive line, partly because it was the team's biggest storyline in the offseason, but also because it's constantly in flux. As it stands right now today, the five starters across the Chiefs offensive line – have combined zero NFL snaps as a member of the Chiefs. Mm. Three of them have zero snaps in their NFL careers. So there's Orlando Brown, who is the left tackle. He was in Baltimore before. Left guard, Joe Thune, was in New England before. But then after that, it's all disaster. Uh, Right now, your starting center is Creed Humphrey, a rookie. Your right guard is Trey Smith, a rookie. And sophomore right tackle, Lucas Nyang, has never played an NFL snap This bears watching. Much of our optimism for um, the Chiefs being better than last year has been built on that offensive line. Next up, the Seattle Seahawks.
5: Uh, Rookie wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge came off the pup earlier this week, and Russell Wilson's helping him uh, catch up. They've completed some early morning workouts, and he's likely the third wide receiver on the depth chart behind Metcalf and Lockett.
4: Okay. Brian, Broncos. Melvin Gordon back in action. Uh, he has missed most of the preseason uh, with a minor groin injury. Uh, Javante Williams, kind of a, a little bit of a head start there. I think we all like him to win that job in Denver, but Gordon is officially back uh, in the mix in that our running back competition.
3: Xavier Jones has emerged as the second running back for the Rams, and he's likely to get work in the regular season as the second running back as well. He, he got the start for the Rams in the first preseason game. He's known for his pass catching, and he caught three balls in that preseason game. And I think he's going to chip in through the air that way. And remember from a couple of shows ago, Sean McVay said that he wants to be careful about not overusing Daryl Henderson. And so there's going to be some extra usage Mm -hmm. to be had here. And right now it looks like it's Xavier Jones. Next up, the Philadelphia Eagles.
5: Yeah, Philly arrested almost everyone in their Thursday night preseason loss to the Patriots. They lost 35-0. So the lone bright spot was Devonta Smith getting constant constant separation from the Pats defensive backs. Noted, uh... Jalen Hurts missed the game. He went to the hospital with a stomach infection. Yeah. He's going to be out for a few days this week. Okay.
3: Miami Dolphins, Brian.
4: Concerns there will be a running back by committee. Uh, concerns, really, for Miles Gaskin truthers like myself, yeah. uh, a committee with Malcolm Brown in. Uh, uh, Sal, 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 Salvin, I forgot his first name. Salvin Achmed. Salvin Achmed, Achmed yes. Um, I'm not too worried, though. Malcolm Brown, two carries uh, inside the 10 in the first preseason game, uh, stuffed on both. I think they are more like goal line carries. Yeah. I'm weathering the storm with Miles Gaskin. <laughs> he will be the lead back for the Dolphins. But we might be looking at a committee, but Gaskin's still the, the favorite in my yeah. mind.
3: And uh, Malcolm Brown got a lot of usage that I didn't want to see.
4: Yeah, but he did not do very well uh, in those attempts. Nobody so. ever wants to see Malcolm Brown.
3: No, that's probably true. (laughs) Um, Vikings, we've already detailed their offensive line woes in back-to-back shows, which should really be the big story here and that you need to be tracking. But I'll also mention that Justin Jefferson returned to practice, and there is basically no doubt he will be ready for the start of the season. Philadelphia Eagles, Matt. I already did Philly, so I'm going to do Dallas. Dallas Cowboys, Matt. Uh, Zeke slimmed down this
5: offseason in an effort to be more explosive than durable, and he was quoted earlier this week that he thinks that the bell cow running back is dead and that the quality of his runs are more important than the quantity. So mm. Zeke might just be reacting to Tony Pollard being a better back and saying, oh, man, i got to get these, uh, so they these, get, these get runs going. Get ahead of the
3: storyline a little bit.
4: <laughs> uh, let's go to the Patriots. Brian. Uh, yeah, the Patriots who just played the Eagles on Thursday night, yes. and everyone looked great for New England. They Cam did. Newton, uh, Damian Harris, uh, Ravond- Ravondre Stevenson looked great again, and now J.J. Taylor a running back that uh, has also mm-hmm. garnered some attention in the fantasy community, so... Maybe the there's some there's some assets on the New England Patriots, but everyone's going to look good against the Eagles this year. It's a team that uh, you'll be circling. Uh,
3: Damian Harris should be going higher than he is. Yep. He's getting you know consistently in back-to-back games. He has gotten the all, basically all of the meaningful rushing work with the first-team offense.
4: R- R- Ramondre Stevenson does not concern you though. No, he
3: looks he great. Does, he does uh, not concern me beating up third-string defenses yet, but he does look very good. And I like that they brought him in in what was it maybe the late second quarter for that touchdown run on Thursday night. Well, that,
4: Harris was beating second string. Well, the Eagles are just eternally third string. But anyway,
3: the Saints. Okay, the Saints have a constantly influx set of receivers, and let's just detail where they are and some updates. Michael Thomas ahead of schedule. Persean Payton. Traquan Smith returned to practice after missing time with an unspecified injury. He should be the team's top receiver in the preseason opener. Marquez Callaway shined in last week's preseason game, and he's drawn positive reviews in camp. He will be the other starter in week one. And just a quick quarterback update as as Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston battle here. Taysom Hill started last week's preseason game, looked inconsistent through three series. Jameis Winston came in for five series. I thought he looked a little better, and he had two touchdown drives. We do expect Winston to run the first team offense on Monday night, and we'll know more then. Let's go to the New York Giants.
5: Matt? There's not a lot in Giants land, but Austrian running back Sandro Platzgumer. Oh, God, I love that name. Yeah, had a 48-yard run in the preseason game against the Jets last week. And I just wanted an opportunity to say Sandro Platzgumer twice in a show. And let's go to
4: the Titans. I meant to tell you before we started recording that the Titans have no important news coming out of their camp right now, so nothing to talk about there.
3: (laughs) The Steelers chase Claypool, suffered a minor ankle sprain, and will miss some time. He is expected, though, to be available for week one. Let's go to the Falcons.
5: Uh, When Dolphins safety Eric Rowe heaps praise on Kyle Pitts, it's time to listen a little bit. He said of Pitts... He's long, he's strong, and he's about to get the friction on. No, that's not really it. That was uh, uh, somebody else. Uh, well, that's partially true, though. Uh, Rowe did say that he believed Pitts would cause problems for defenses this year. All right. And Cincinnati,
4: Brian? Not a lot of news coming out of Cincy either, but that's kind of what you want right now. We don't want to hear anything bad about Joe Burrow or Joe Mixon. Probably the most boomer bust offense in fantasy football from Burrow to Mixon. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are. We'll just have to see uh, what happens there. But as of right now, all is quiet on the... Midwestern front
3: in San Francisco. Trey Lance looked inconsistent in his first NFL preseason game last week. He had that beautiful deep bomb that you probably saw to Trent Shurfield, but he also badly misfired on several other passes and got sacked four times. Um, Meanwhile, Jimmy Garoppolo went three for three in his lone drive. Several starters did not play in that game, including Raheem Mostert, who, by the way, being badly overlooked, I think, in, in fantasy leagues. He's your starting running back on a very good offense. Um, we'll get another look at the Niners on Sunday night, and we'll learn a little bit more about Trey Lance and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. at that time. Arizona Cardinals, Matt. Did you say Austria Cardinals? Because I learned that
5: Arizona <laughs> has an Austrian player named really? Bernard Psychovitz. <laughs> I like it. Whose nickname is obviously Psycho. He's it Dan Arnold's me. replacement at tight end, by the way. And uh, he'll probably be a practice squad player, but maybe he'll be better than Dan Arnold in Arizona.
4: Maybe mm, Unlikely. <laughs> it's Psycho that they let Arnold walk. <laughs> that's that's <laughs>
3: Sure. Next up, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Brian.
4: Jacksonville kind of reaffirming that James Robinson is their lead running back. Yeah. And uh, I fear, and I know you like this comp uh, charge. I told it to you earlier in the offseason. Reggie Bush, the Reggie Bush role for Travis Etienne. Yeah, that'd or be bad. Travis Etienne?
3: E- Etienne? We're but, gonna, uh, I, I like Etienne. Well, I yeah. think we should <laughs> stick with the generally approved pronunciation of his Generally. Name. That's it. Okay. I wasn't sure you were done. <laughs> Baltimore Ravens have injuries on their offensive line, Ben Cleveland and Kevin Zeitler, and injuries to their wide receivers, Sammy Watkins, Rashad Bateman, Marquise Brown, um, all guys that are severe severe enough that the Ravens may choose to actually sit Lamar Jackson in Saturday night's preseason game and just not play him because of the offensive line, and he's got no receivers to throw to anyway, and honestly, that might actually make some sense. Let's go to the uh, Chicago Bears, Matt. Uh, Andy Dalton will get the
5: start in Saturday night's preseason game and get at least a quarter of a half. But that means when the second teams come in. A quarter of a half? A quarter and a half. Oh, okay. Got it. Uh, But when the second teams come in, it'll be Justin Fields going against Bill's quarterback, Sad Tromboneski. Or maybe it'll be Happy Tromboneski because he's in a revenge game against the Bears. Lock Can it have in a for your pre-season? DFS preseason.
3: Can you have a preseason revenge game? <laughs> I think Mitchell Trubisky might have one. Maybe uh, I saw Tariq Cohen had um, had tweeted anybody any any Bears fan who boos Sad Trombonski, you are weird and sad, which I thought was, was pretty nice. Tromboneski. Our final team is the San Diego Chargers,
4: Brian. Donald Parham's stock is on the rise. Six foot eight, 240 pound tight end from short lived XFL fame. Seen a lot of time in two tight end sets for the Chargers, lining up a lot in the slot. Mm. On the outside, we know Mike Williams always gets hurt. Keenan Allen doesn't have the cleanest injury history. Yeah. Donald Parham. Keep your eye on him. I would stash him if you got an empty spot in Dynasty Leagues right now as well.
3: It's fantasy draft season. If you've got a draft coming up, you can get my personal cheat sheet available for free at guillotineleagues.com. When we come back, we'll identify the bell cow running backs around the NFL, which guys are sure to get a lot of touches. Find out when we come back to Fantasy Football Weekly. Thank you for listening. I'm Paul Charchi in guillotineleagues.com. Matt Harrison with me, Brian Johnson as well. Everybody wants to have bell cow backs because at the end of the day in fantasy, opportunity is more important than talent. Mm -hmm. And Matt, I've asked you, challenged you. You always challenge me. I always challenge you to identify the bell cow running backs. Some are obvious. Alvin Cook and Derrick Henry are bell cow Mm -hmm. running backs. But as you get deeper into this, there's some non obvious bell cows, and let's uh let's hear what you've
5: come up with. Well, we're gonna cover all thirty two teams in this segment. Um we're gonna divide them into four categories. There's the three bells category.
3: that's a lot of That's actually like eighty bells right there. Okay. Uh hold on. Um, How about
5: ow, that kinda hurt. Yeah, it does hurt. <laughs> Uh, They're projected for over 300 touches, and there's little to no competition. Uh That's thus the three bells, 300 touches. Um, Are the two bells 200 touches? uh, Two bells I have projected for over 250 touches with some competition.
3: Okay. We call it 222 because of the two bells. Sure, whatever. All right, thanks.
5: Uh, And one bell, they're still going to get around 200 touches, but there's lots of variance and there's competition. Okay. And then there's workhorses, which is a split backfield, but we think that they're going to get a little bit more of the share. Okay. All right. I think I got it. So let's start with three bells, Charge. Oh, gosh, that's almost knocked me over. Uh, I have six of them. Uh, we're not going to discuss them in great detail, though. Um, but it might be worth handcuffing their backups. Uh, that's Christian McCaffrey. His uh, handcuff would be Chuba Hubbard. Dalvin Cook with Alexander Madison. Derek Henry with Darrington Evans. Alvin Kamara with Latavius Murray. Then it gets a little interesting. My other mm-hmm. two bell cows are Joe Mixon oh. with Chris Evans or Samaje Pirine as yeah. the backup. And Najee Harris. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be accurate. With Benny Snell, I guess, as the backup. The Steelers have generally gone with a bell cow running back mentality under Mike Tomlin. Now let's get to the two bell running backs where there's more interesting stuff happening here. Okay. Do you want to give me two bells? Yeah, I do. Awesome. Awesome. Let's start with Ezekiel Elliott, and then I'm going to talk about the red flags of each of these guys, whether or not three bells. Okay. Um, Ezekiel Elliott's got some diminishing touches in each of his last three years. Tony Pollard is good. The offensive line has gotten worse, and Dak's injury history is uh, questionable at best. Although, even Zeke doesn't quite believe in a thing called bell cows anymore. As we we mentioned mentioned in the last last segment, yes. Uh, Next guy, Aaron Jones. His red flags. What if A.J. Dillon is really that good? And they can't keep him off the field anymore. Uh, he, Dylan showed flashes last year late in the season. He's kind of an interesting play.
3: Yeah. The reason I'll, I'll, I'll differ with you here, is, from a carry's standpoint, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But I think those Jamal Williams receptions will go to Aaron Jones, and that will keep his total touch total high.
5: It could. Um, let's talk about Nick Chubb next from Cleveland. Uh, Red mm-hmm. flags missed a month last season with an injury. And Kareem Hunt got paid and is a very capable one-two punch. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is next. His red flags. Frank Reich comes from a no bell cow philosophy. Correct. Uh, Marlon Mack returns and has been looking good. And Naheem Hines is all right last year, too. Plus, Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson are both going to miss the start of the season. Next, Austin Eckler. Red flags. It starts with his health. Uh, he's a pass-catching machine, but he's never averaged more than 11 carries per game in a season. Yeah. That's not Shockingly enough. low. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no backups, though. To, to scare you for no, Austin Eckler. No,
3: although, well, you know, we really don't know what this new offense is going to look, look like. That's true. The Joe Lombardi offense. But, you know, the hope is that it's going to be like Alvin Kamara. where there, There's plenty of there's Latavius Murray's always, always sprinkled in, right? But mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara is still the focal point of, that, of the running backs. And we're going to hope that that is the case here with Austin Eckler.
5: Absolutely. Um, a guy that a lot of people probably consider a bell cow. Mm. Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Uh, his red flags are he hasn't been healthy in two years. His offensive line is one of the worst in the league. Jason Garrett, I mean, excuse me, Coach Garrett is his offensive coordinator. (laughs) And Daniel Jones doesn't seem good.
3: Yeah, There's there's a lot of red flags there. There are a lot of red flags. And you think that could affect his total number of touches. They might be three and out all year.
4: By the way. He has that Texas twang, Coach Garrett. Mm-hmm. He grew up like in New Jersey. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, it. You know, eventually though, you spend. I don't know. Time I think he's, I think he's just pretending. Really he's
4: he's acting in the very poorly. Oh, All
3: right, let's. Can, are guy. there any other two bell cow runners? Uh, I got looks like six more. Oh
5: my! Okay. Yeah, uh, Antonio Gibson. His red flags not utilized very heavily in the passing game last year in favor of J.D. McKissick. Yeah, Washington was strangely pass heavy last year and should be again with Stu Beard at the helm. But will it include a huge uptick for Gibby? We're not mm-hmm. really sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clyde Edwards, Elaire Red Flags hasn't proven to be a consistent short yardage back and could yeah. get spelled in that sense. And, uh,
3: and at his size, I just don't think it ever that part of
5: his game ever comes together. Well, and his offense just might be too efficient. Patrick Mahomes is stealing his touches and touchdowns. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, Red Flags, Gus Edwards, mm-hmm. uh, Lamar Jackson, yeah, and he wasn't utilized enough in the passing game last year. David Montgomery. He was kind of a bell cow last year, but his red flags, he was a product of having no other runners on the depth chart last season. And Damian Williams is more than capable of handling the pass catching role and some possible goal line duties. Chris Carson, red flags. Injury issues have caused him to miss time in
3: each of the last three years. Yeah, although not, he hasn't had like the ACL. You know, he has the the lingering four week injuries kind of thing. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Uh, Daryl Henderson. He's the last one in the two-bell scenario here. I don't think the coaching staff trusts him to be a bell cow, Mm -hmm. or they probably wouldn't have used their top pick in 2020 on Cam Akers. Xavier Jones has been turning heads in the passing game, and Sean McVay has been a hot-hand guy since Todd Gurley left. So those are the red flags on Daryl Henderson. Okay, Let's move on to the one-bell guys. These are guys who, things that need to break exactly right for them to be a bell cow. Uh, There's seven of them. DeAndre Swift is the first one his red flags Jamal Williams might split carries or take at least a 40% share Jared Goff's not a great quarterback and the passing game has very little that scares defenses and Swift did miss three games with injury last year Josh Jacobs red flag Kenyon Drake Mm -hmm. stealing touches especially near the goal line and the offensive line took a significant step backwards. Miles Sanders, red flags that he missed four games last year with injury and was replaced in the passing game a lot by Boston Scott last year. Jordan Howard might be the goal line guy, and mm-hmm. Kenneth Gainwell is a the guy they seem to really like in camp.
3: Mike Davis, his red flags, are we sure that he's actually good? Yeah, I'm not with you on this. Well, just, and I can't imagine he's not, Mike Davis is not a great runner, but he's an okay runner, and there's nobody else on the team to carry a ball. So I think he will do better than one bell, <laughs> wow. bell cow. Uh, Atlanta's line did take
5: an off, uh, a step backwards with the loss of Alex Mack, but yeah. he doesn't really have stiff competition. Miles Gaskin, red flags as much as no one wants to hear it. Malcolm Brown will get work. Yeah. So will Salvin Ahmed. And head coach Brian Flores is from the Bill Belichick tree and has already hinted at the running back by committee. Damian Harris, red flags, Bill Belichick. Sonny Michelle James White. Ramondre Stevenson and Cam Newton. That's five names that are in his way yeah. of being a bell cow runner. I'm, and J.J. Taylor now. People love J.J. <laughs> no. Taylor. I don't I'm, I'm still optimistic. I don't, I'm I don't optimistic, too. Way. I got a lot of Damian Harris shares, but uh, I'm still a little nervous. Michael Carter, uh, his red flag is he's a rookie. Their defense is putrid and got worse this week with injuries. That should leave to ne- negative game scripts, and the Jets have been bad for a really long time since – but still, he's the best runner they've had maybe since Ladani and Tomlinson.
3: Once again, I disagree. I just think there's nobody else to carry a ball there. they got an offensive line with back-to-back first-round picks on it. I think I think he's going to be better than you do, Michael Carter. I think
5: Tevin Coleman is going to get a lot more touches oh, than everybody yes. wants. No if way. he stays healthy, why not? No. He, he Tevin, was good. He, he's not yeah. good. Tevin no. Coleman's not good. He's sure never he been good. I think good. we no. all agree that Tevin Coleman's not no, good. But absurd. their head coach came from San Francisco, and Tevin Coleman came know. Know. along the way with him. Like, yeah. He's, he's going to be there. Zach Moss, last one. Uh, Red flags needs to stay healthy, but he's a better blocker, goal line back, and receiver than Devin Singletary. Finally, we go to the workhorses. We got, yeah, there we go. You're all ready. Uh, there's six of these. A split backfield, but we think they're going to get slightly more than half. Yep. And we need to zip through these six. They're going to be quick. Javante Williams uh, over Melvin Gordon, Raheem Mostert, and the Shanahanigans in San Francisco, mm-hmm. which could include Trey Sermon and Wayne Gallman, maybe even Jeff Wilson. Travis, Etienne, the rookie in Jacksonville, should take over for James Robinson, but it might take him a month or so to get there. Chase Edmonds will split carries with James Connor unless Connor gets hurt. Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette and Gio Bernard. It will be possible to peg who the Bucks' top runner yeah, is in that's, any given week. It's the worst
3: scenario in the league. And last but not least, Houston, stay away. Probably a good idea. And that might be the worst in the league. Uh, When we come back, the Stinkhole. We know what the first four picks are like in most leagues. Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara. But then what? The Stinkhole is pick five. What to do with the Stinkhole and beyond in the first round. Beyond, beyond. Uh, When we come back to Fantasy Football Weekly. Welcome back, Fantasy Football Weekly. Paul Charchian, Matt Harrison, Brian Johnson with you. If you haven't tried a guillotine league yet, we encourage you to give it a shot. 18 teams start the season, one for every week, no head-to-head. And at the end of every week, the low-scoring team gets cut from the league, and their entire roster goes to the waiver wire where pandemonium ensues.
4: Even guys like Alvin Kamara? A
3: whole draft's
4: worth of players.
3: Wow. So it might go Alvin Kamara, and then maybe the second round was Patrick Mahomes, and the third round was, mm, I don't know, Keenan Allen, yep. and the fourth round was Daryl Henderson, and they're all the waiver wire. It's tremendous strategies. you figure out how much to bid on those players as opposed to saving for later. And the best part is you don't have to be the best team. Just don't be the worst team. If you cannot finish last, you can win your guillotine league. Last team standing wins it all. If you ain't last, you're You're first. first. That's right. That could be our motto for this. It should be. (laughs) We believe pick five is this year's stink hole, if you will, um, where the first four picks are pretty universally Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara. And then after that, all the remaining players feel like they have some blemish to them one of which being they're not a running back, and a lot of our listeners just sure. cannot conceptualize the notion of not taking a running back. Have they never heard of do the opposite? They've never heard of okay. do the opposite. So we're here to give you advice on what to do with the Stinkhole, the fifth pick, all the way through the rest of the first round. We think this is the order in which to take players. And we begin at pick number five, the Stinkhole pick. hmm You've got pick five. Those four runners are off the board. What do you do? You take Travis Kelsey. You know who has regretted drafting Travis Kelsey? Uh,
5: nobody, nobody. ever uh, You know what, though? I think that you said the exact same
3: thing about Michael, Michael Thomas, Thomas last year. <laughs> hey, it could happen. He has been tight end one for three straight years. In the past six years, Travis Kelsey has missed Two games, and they were both in week 17s.
4: Yeah. And last year's tight end one was also wide receiver three. Yes. Four at worst. Yeah. He's
3: an elite player in every meaningful metric depth of target, catch rate, drop rate, yards after catch, yards per game. I mean, any metric you want. Travis Kelsey is phenomenal. He's a beast in the red zone garnering an average of 25% of all of Kansas City's red zone targets over the last five years. That's amazing. And Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback to ever play the game. Last week, you guys may remember, in our Peacock Off segment, mm-hmm. I said Patrick Mahomes is going to set the league's all-time passing record, single-season mm-hmm. passing record, for both touchdowns and yardage in one season. And it's coming here, and nobody is going to get help more than Travis Kelsey at pick five of your first round of right. Stinkhole. So let's go to the next spot. You've got pick six in the first round. Matt, who is the appropriate person to take here? I think you take
5: Devontae Adams because what's not to like about Devontae Adams? If he's not your wide receiver one on your board, he's maybe number two. Mm-hmm. He's got the MVP of the league at quarterback who's frankly pissed off and playing for a chance to get away from Green Bay. Yeah. And oh by the way, Adams is also in a contract year, so he's motivated to get his big final payday. Double digit touchdowns in four of his last five seasons, including eighteen touchdowns in fourteen games last year. Yeah. He him along with Robert Tunyon are the red zone runners. They're the infrared zone runners. They get the ball through the air. It's 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 absolutely amazing. And Devonte Adams is a perfect pick at six.
3: All right, at pick seven, Brian, who is the appropriate person to take? The perfect person to take at pick seven.
4: It is a, another wide receiver, and his name is Tyreek Hill. And, uh, Church, I'm going to take this opportunity to recommend your premium cheat sheet mm. on GuillotineLeagues.com because it's going to give me all the information I need. To make this pick at one oh seven, uh, Tyree Kill, who was wide receiver two last year, wide receiver five the first half of the season, wide receiver two the second half of the season. Yes. Very consistent. Fifty-three percent of his games, he finished uh top twelve yeah. at wide receiver. That is very good. That's very good. Twenty percent of his games were outside of the top thirty. That's also a very good yes. metric in that category.
3: Very few dud games.
4: And outside of Travis Kelsey there's no one catching passes uh, from Patrick Mahomes. I'm not worried about Nicole Hardman or Byron Pringle yeah. or even Clyde Clyde Edwards-Alaire, for that matter. It's mm-hmm. it's all Kelsey and it's all Hill in the most dynamic offense in the NFL. So take uh, Tyreek Hill. you won't be upset.
3: Can I tell you why I love having Tyreek Hill on my teams? No. Because <laughs> when... Patrick Mahomes takes that extra two steps on his drop back, and he's launching a rocket deep downfield, and that ball is at its midway apex. Yep. You know who he's throwing to, and I'm already off the couch because it it may be a 60-yard bomb to Tyreek Hill. Smacks of Randy Moss back in the day. It does, doesn't it? Yep. And it's fun. Tyreek Hill is so fun to have on your team. And that's why I love to have him. And that's why, actually, that's why he is my my top ranked wide receiver, is because fantasy football is supposed to be fun. I want to have a bunch of players I have fun with on my Ooh. team. Next, Aaron Jones with the eight spot in the first round. Last year, he was running back five. Jamal Williams is gone now, and we're taking him as running back five in the first round. A couple of shows ago, I explained how Jamal Williams' departure was going to vault Aaron Jones into elite fantasy territory through receptions. I already talked about that a little bit earlier in this show. Williams was good for 40 ish targets per year. That They got to go somewhere, and A.J. Dillon can't catch. So, well, or at least they didn't target him. They targeted him mm-hmm. three times all of last year. So I think Jones has the opportunity to get even better here. And the Packers have been almost perfectly judicious in their use of Aaron Jones with enough touches to be an excellent fantasy producer, but not so many that he's an injury risk. Um, yeah. Jones may lose some goal line carries to AJ Dillon, but not necessarily Jones got 10 carries inside the five yard line last year. And he scored five times a 50% conversion is Very good inside mm-hmm. the five yard line. So awesome. Aaron Jones, very safe. And he's got literally RB one upside to him. If A.J. Dillon doesn't pan out and they really need to lean on Aaron Jones, he could be the highest-scoring running back in football, and we're going to take him at pick number eight. Let's go to pick nine. Who's the perfect player to take, Matt?
5: Um, Austin Eckler, but I feel like Brian should be presenting the case here, but let's just go over it again. Uh, Chargers offensive line, much improved. Coaching, much improved. Mm -hmm. Justin Airbear in year two. Eckler is healthy as far as we know. And as far as fantasy points per touch, he's pretty much the top dog in the league. He has league winning upside. If he gets the requisite workload,
3: yes. But as you elucidated earlier in the show, he's averaged 11 carries per game,
5: and that in his top season.
3: Yes, in his top
4: <laughs> season, right? 11 carries per game. That's now he word.
5: he he is work. He does work a lot in the passing game. he, which he was that, the
4: backup in those years, though. Essentially, though, he was the third well, no, down. Although, just
3: best year. They're saying 11
5: carries it, in his it, best. His year.
4: best year, Melvin Gordon was there for 12 of the games. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He he wasn't the lead yeah. guy like he is you know. now. He is the lead guy now.
3: He was the lead guy last year. He didn't get well, a lot of. Well, he, he got hurt. Oh, well, still, what average? He played half the season. Yeah, did still didn't average better than eleven carries. All right, so that's the we believe that's the perfect player huge upside. Huge upside. Yes. Though. Uh, I just I just want parts of the Chargers' offense. Mm-hmm. That was pick nine. We're going through the stink hole and beyond. Picks five through twelve in the first round. Let's go to the perfect player for pick number ten, Ryan.
4: Uh, this is the time to take Ezekiel Elliott, who uh, there's no sugarcoating it. Has been a pretty bad player to have on your fantasy team the last couple of years. Uh, but he looks primed for a bounce back. Mm-hmm. He's he's in shape. Uh, Dak Prescott will be back, we think. Yeah, we he'll think. be back.
3: No, he'll be back.
4: Uh, And and most importantly, because it all starts in the trenches, Uh, the the Cowboys offensive line should return to elite status after getting obliterated by injuries last season. Mm -hmm. Left tackle Tyron Smith only played 154 snaps. He will be back right tackle while Collins missed the entire season due to hip surgery. He will be back. Zach Martin, still one of the best right guards in the game. Left guard Connor Williams finished 17th overall in pro football Focus's grading. Uh, The only real question is that is that center, but they do have a healthy competition there. So as long as Zeke stays healthy, the line stays healthy, Dak stays healthy, Mm -hmm. uh, he'll pay off this one uh, 10 pick. Yes, Tony Pollard is a concern, but uh, Zeke shouldn't fall any further than this. This is the perfect time to take him.
3: All right. I like it. At pick, that was pick number 10. At pick 11, we've got Nick Chubb. Now, we can't get Chubb higher than this (laughs) because he's not a workhorse back. You can't? I can't. Sorry. But on a different team, like team without Kareem Hunt, Chubb could be the first player taken, right? Different universe. Like if he had dropped into the Vikings, right? Instead of Dalvin Cook and you had a run first, you know, workhorse mentality like Mike Zimmer has, Nick Chubb would be the first player taken. Chubb's pro football focus ranking over the last two years was running back nine and running back one. He's very good. Kevin Stefanski will always run the ball. Last year, Stefanski had the fourth-highest run rate. The year before, as Minnesota's offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski had the fourth-highest run rate. Ooh. So we can safely say they're going to run the ball a lot. Chubb led all backs in broken tackle rate last year and finished with a gaudy 5.6 yards per carry. We already know that Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt's presence doesn't really take a lot away from Chubb, but he can be very fantasy successful regardless of whether Hunt is in or not. And even when Hunt played, Chubb still touched the ball 17 times per game. That's great. That's great. That's all you need. Pro Football Focus ranks the Browns' offensive line number one in the league, and that provides some safety for Nick Chubb as well. Some of those yards that you want him to get are going to come easily behind that offensive line. All right, let's go to our final player from the Stinkhole and beyond. You've got the last pick in round one. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh who you got. I hope I have the first pick in round two, too. Well, yeah, it usually works that
5: way. um, I'm going to start with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, He was the best running back in the league in the month of December. And I happen to believe that the last full calendar month of the year that we've seen all players play was December. So Mm -hmm. uh, was that a sign of things to come? Was it desperation on the Colts part, trying to make the playoffs? Either way, if Wentz and Quentin Nelson return earlier than advertised, then, All things are kind of pointing that they're kind of ahead of schedule, possibly maybe week two or week three, which would be really good. Jonathan Taylor is absolutely a steal because he was getting drafted at the 1-5 in April, May, and June in those super early drafts. So uh, he has that upside. Can he get the bell cow touches, though? That's the big question. And we reviewed that a little bit in the last segment with Marlon Mack there and Naeem Hines there.
3: I I just had this conversation, again, referring to a friend of the show, Jim Aiello from the Indianapolis Star, and asked him this very question about Jonathan Taylor earlier today. Mm -hmm. And he said Taylor is the clear number one, but he expected a rotation of backs. He thought it would be less like December of last year and more like or less like December and more like September, October, November, where they had, they mixed and matched some backs. Although Taylor clearly has more confidence from the coaching staff now than he did last September. Absolutely. But it took a while to get
4: there and he thinks you're going to, you know, fantasy
3: owners prepared to have some frustration there.
4: It was a slow start for Taylor, despite Marlon Mack went down in week one, too. Right. Don't and forget that. And, he's, and we all he's thought back. Taylor was yeah. going to rock it yeah. at that point, And it, it didn't. Mm-hmm.
3: Now, Among the players who were not chosen yet for our first round, as we went through the stink hole and beyond, the player that I would have had next, Antonio Gibson, would have been the next guy up for me because I love that whole offense to ascend in a significant way Mm -hmm. with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I love the addition of Curtis Samuel. And in the second year of ever playing running back, Antonio Gibson's going to get better. And he was already good. Not only was Gibson good at the stuff you figured he would have been good at last year as a converted wide receiver, we knew he could sprint to the outside. We knew that he was going to be good catching the ball after the catch. They didn't throw to him enough, but he turned into a good inside runner as well. He was a tackle breaker. Things that you didn't know for sure Antonio Gibson could do. He did. And he was doing it against defenses that were all playing right by the line of scrimmage. Cause they couldn't pass more than 10 yards downfield. Sure. Stu Beard's going to open up that whole field for the Washington offense, and that's going to make things a little bit easier for Antonio Gibson as well. So he would have been my next guy up.
5: I can make a case for Najee Harris as the next guy up, too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, mentioned it in the bell cow segment last last segment. He's got the opportunity to get 300 touches this year in Pittsburgh. He does. Uh, The wide receivers are good. The uh, the line is a little scary, and Big Ben probably doesn't scare people nearly as much anymore, but we've seen Pittsburgh Steeler running backs be top 12 running backs consistently as long as they have talent, and I don't think anybody's disputing the talent of Najee Harris right here. Yeah,
3: I'll dispute the talent of that offensive line all day,
5: but still. And I think it's important. We always harp on people replaying last year. Well, Najee Harris doesn't have a last year for most (laughs) fantasy fans, and that's why rookies are depressed a lot. If you look at all of these second-year runners that we're talking about and second-year receivers that we're talking about in the first two rounds, get on that now. Identify these rookies. And
4: replaying last year, Stephon Diggs could have been even bigger – he certainly is in the conversation in the late first round.
3: Absolutely. I think Diggs would have made sense if you are uh, in a bigger league especially – Darren Waller could go as oh, a yeah. pick thirteen. I, oh, yes.
4: no. You know, it's you know <laughs> excited it, the over
3: different here. when you're in a bigger league, the differential between the you know, the twelfth or fourteenth or sixteenth or eighteenth if you're in a guillotine league tight end is really significant.
5: Well and if you're in a league with Brian You better take him him before Brian's second round pick. He's not getting past. You're going to have to
4: reach around on Waller. He's not getting past the early second (laughs) in my league. When we
3: come back, three tough questions for our panel of experts. You can play along as Fantasy Football Weekly continues in moments.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip
3: Fantasy Football Weekly. Thank you for joining us. If your draft is coming up, you'd like to get some player rankings that don't feel like everybody else's. That's what I do with mine at guillotineleagues.com. Try really hard not to fall into the group think of the fantasy experts out there, uh, which happens a lot. And so I pride myself on having some really different rankings. That is available for free. Guillotineleagues.com. I am Paul Charchian, my co-hosts, are Matt Harrison and Brian Johnson. This is a game we like to call Three Tough Questions. We encourage you to play along. Tough question number one. Now that there are 17 regular season games, how much more important is handcuffing than in past years? No more important, a little more important, or a lot more important. Matt?
5: Oh no, there's 5.8% more games. What are we going to do now? Uh, If you didn't think handcuffing was important before, it's not more important now. If I have Dalvin Cook instead of taking Alex Madison and locking up one backfield, I'd rather take Jamal Williams in the same round and potentially get two backfields if DeAndre Swift gets hurt. Sure, there's more risk and reward in that, but if you play fantasy to be safe all the time, have fun getting fourth place. Plus, I highlighted it last week. There's only been five running backs in the last six years that have been handcuffy guys that have finished in the top 15. Only five in six years. Less than one per
3: year. It's not more important at all. Okay. Brian, is it no more important, a little more important, or a lot more important to handcuff this year given the extra game?
4: Yeah, basically the same answer as Matt. Uh, You have to start with how important is handcuffing to you in general, and to me it's not that important. I prefer to steal the handcuffs of other players. Like In our Empire League, I'm kind of weak at running back. But I've got uh, Chuba Hubbard, CMC's handcuff. Mm-hmm. I got Madison. I'm gonna go go after Darrington Evans. I love those three. <laughs> one of them are gonna hit, but I wouldn't. So it's well, not most any likely. More
3: none of them are gonna
4: hit because that's only true. five guys in well, six true. years have done it. Well, further proving the point, don't handcuff really.
3: <laughs> <laughs> if you,
4: if you you're don't better off if, own... even though you handcuff. Yeah, it, you're better off trying to at least steal a handcuff than handcuffing your actual player. So, but it's no more important just because of one extra game. Come on, that's crazy. The correct answer
3: is no more important. Uh, we couldn't predict injuries when there were 16 games, right? Correct. And so you know we're not going to. It's not only to change because there's 17 now. Uh, handcuffing for the reasons Matt uh, said very saliently, I believe, um, is a very dicey uh, proposition. You should just say You're, stupid. It, well, <laughs> it is. It is. It's, it it's kind of stupid. And you, 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 the way you set it up is perfect. I can get Jamal Williams, who I could start in a pinch every week of the season. Yeah. Or I can have a backup running back who only gets the ball like four times a game, five times a game, and I can't start unless there's an injury to the starter. And he's eating a roster spot. And you're right. I'm killing a roster spot, mm-hmm. a valuable roster spot. So don't handcuff and don't let, don't let the worry of the 17-game schedule phase you. The purse clutchers.
1: Tough question number two.
3: Which quarterback has fantasy football's biggest risk-reward ratio?
4: Brian. Uh, For me, it's Dak Prescott. Uh, I I know the the, the offensive line uh, in the last segment, we said it's going to return to uh, elite status. His uh, trio of receivers might be the best in the NFL he should be making his return to full health, but I'm not convinced of that, uh, that, that the ankle is going to hold up all season. He has the shoulder issue, and at quarterback six, there's just way too much risk for me there. Uh, I'd rather just wait another round or two and grab an Aaron Rodgers or Justin Airbear. Uh Dak Prescott, the biggest high-risk, high-reward quarterback for me this season.
3: All right, Matt, who is the quarterback with the highest risk-reward ratio I have the same
5: answer, Dak Prescott. The injury history plus uh, the upside. But you are taking him in the fourth or fifth round, and that's a scary proposition for a guy who hasn't been fully healthy in a year. Um, Although, last year through his four and a half weeks, he was on pace to be the best fantasy quarterback in the league, would probably have hit 5,500 passing yards, and he was on pace for nine rushing touchdowns. So the upside is number one QB in the league. But the downside is what you got last year. He might not play, or he might not be as effective.
3: The there were two possible correct answers to this. I will not accept another and one. Neither one was neither one is Dak Prescott. the The quasi acceptable answer is Trey Lance because he may literally not play a game this year. Okay, there is a very real scenario where he has zero fantasy points for the year. But because he's a round twelve selection. It's that, is not, that is not. That is not the correct so,
4: answer. D- definitely not. The
3: correct answer <laughs> for the player with the highest risk reward ratio is Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. Okay, round six ADP. Now he didn't. We didn't get to see him on Thursday night, which is unfortunate because it adds to the sense of mystery around whether or not he can pass, and that is the real question here. If we look at his f- his four passing totals in his four starts last year, he had two three hundred yard games. That's great. The other two games, 167 yards and 72 yards. Mm. Now, in the 72-yarder, he got pulled out in the fourth quarter. He got injured in the fourth quarter. So I'll grant him a little bit of leeway on that, but it was still a not a good look for him. And as defenses saw him more, his passing seemed to get worse and worse. As mentioned last week, Jalen Hurts had the lowest completion percentage of any quarterback with at least four starts mm. last year. His passing volatility volatility puts a lot of pressure on his running game for you, fantasy owner. Even elite runners, like Lamar Jackson last year, don't always run well. And there are better runners in this league than Jalen Hurts at the quarterback position. So eventually in the NFL, if you can't pass, you can't play quarterback. You can only do so much. And there is a scenario here that involves, at some point, Jalen Hurts getting benched. True. Now. The upside, however, is massive on Jalen Hurts. If it turns out he can pass, well, now you've now what you've done is you've taken Josh Allen as a quasi-functional passer and always a good runner mm-hmm. and turned him into what he was last year when you could do both. When you can do both at the quarterback position, pass and run, that's fantasy magic right there. And that's why you've got the upside of an elite top five fantasy quarterback and the downside of a quarterback who gets benched for Joe freaking Flacco.
4: <laughs> At least he can physically pass and run right now, as far as we know. Dak Prescott, not so sure. No, Dak's,
3: Dak's been passing his whole life. He's he's, <laughs> he's going to be fine.
4: Dak is going to be fine.
3: I'm convinced Dak's going to be fine. He's my number seven ranked quarterback right now. Tough question
1: number three.
3: There is an opening in a new, uh, th- excuse me, blah, blah, blah. There's an opening for a new team in your friends league. Mm-hmm. Somebody fills that opening with their 13-year-old kid. Are you cool with that?
5: Matt? Uh, I spent the last year teaching and coaching middle school kids. and uh, Mostly I don't tell them about the fantasy football aspect of my life because it's, you know, nerdy. But occasionally they find out. And when they find out, I got some really super intelligent questions from 12, 13, 14-year-olds. They follow the sport like never before, and it's because they've watched their parents play fantasy since birth, and they, they're they cheering for players. They're watching the Monday night games. If the kid gets it and the kid's involved, let them play unless you do your draft at a strip club.
3: All right. Brian, yeah, there's is- an opening for a new team in your buddy's league. Somebody fills the opening with their 13-year-old kid. Are you cool with that?
4: Yeah, as long as I'm convinced the kid is gonna be is into it and managing the team that my buddy's not using his kid as a, a vessel for collusion. Ooh. Collusion! <laughs> but so overall, yes. Bring on the kids. They are our future. <laughs> Teach them well. Are we cool with that? Hell no. What?
3: <laughs> yeah, I want kids to play fantasy football. Of course I do. They can play with each other or they can play in a family league. Keep your kid out of my friends league with a bunch of grown men. First off, the party atmosphere of your draft just got torpedoed, right? You've got a bunch of guys, gals, who have a long history together. They tell war stories. They drop F-bombs. They're drinking beer. They're doing you didn't all say we were
4: having a live party. Yeah. But, uh... well, I
3: don't know what lame drafts you go to. They're smoking. They're doing whatever. <laughs> all of that's scuttled because somebody doesn't see their kid enough at home. They got to add the kid into your fantasy league.
4: Wow. This is not
0: going on.
3: Next, <laughs> what about my message board? My message board filled oh, with f- smack talk, obscenities. That's what I want my message board to be with my friends. I don't need to have to self-censor because you decided to bring your 7th grader into the conversation. I've been meaning to talk to you about our message
5: board. We don't like the full frontal nudity pics that you keep posting charge. Well, That's because they're mine. I know.
3: And lastly, everybody, and this is to Brian's point, Everybody's going to wonder about any transaction that involves the father and the kid. Is the dad pressuring the kid all day long Mm. at home, talking him into it, upping his allowance, whatever? I mean, it's a huge problem just from the integrity of the league. Look, we want kids to play. Play with each other. Have a cafeteria draft. Play with the rest of your family. Have aunts, uncles, nephews, (laughs) strange cousins. Get, Get that going. Strange cousins. Don't bring your seventh grader. Into my grown-up league. That's the correct answer.
4: Charge is not about the
3: children. No. No. Angry. You know, we are man. You know what we do love though? The reach around. Yeah. Coming up next. (laughs) Don't let your kids listen to this next segment. That's right. Coming up next, the reach around. We will give you we will give you one player in every round to take a round earlier than his average draft round. Who is the seventh rounder you need to take in the sixth round because you want him on your team and you do not want to risk not getting him? The reach around coming up next.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. (laughs)
3: Football Weekly, Paul Charchi and guillotineleagues.com, Brian Johnson, guillotineleagues.com, and Matt Harrison's got a bunch of great stuff at shockfantasy.com, including your dynasty cheat sheets, your trade value calculator. Yeah.
5: Keeper league calculator. If you're like, Mm. oh, I need to get Christian McCaffrey in the second round or Mike Evans in the fourth round, which one's a better value? Oh, there's a calculation for that. There is. Promo code radio if you want uh, $15 off a membership.
3: This is a segment we call the reach around. We do it one time each year right here in this show. The premise, we give you a player that you should take one round earlier than his average draft round. For example, we will go through now and give you players that are going in the second round. We believe you should take in the first round. We begin with Matt Harrison.
5: Um. For, I don't. I don't know where we got this ADP from exactly, but Austin Eckler was listed as a second-round pick, so mm. I think that we covered that we'd pick him at pick nine in the last segment. So uh, I think Eckler's the play.
4: Yeah, Brian, you're obviously going to assume that is my answer yeah that's well. Your we answer. already assumed that I would take it. I just want to remind everyone that in uh, 2019, 92 catches for Austin Eckler, uh, and that was really as like the primary third-down back. Again, he is. The lead back, the question is how many touches will he get. I think he gets enough to uh, easily clear 2,000 combo yards uh, if he can stay healthy, but that's the concern with everyone in the NFL if they can stay healthy.
3: All right, we're all on Austin Eckler as a second-round player that you should take in the first round, but I'll also mention Antonio Gibson, who I mentioned Mm -hmm. as well in this, who I think would have been a a fine selection at the end of the first round as well. So Eckler, Eckler, Gibson. Let's go to the third-round player, you believe, people should reach for in the second round matt
5: uh aj brown is listed as a third round pick i'd take him in the second because before julio was traded the titans many were considering brown as the top wide receiver on their cheat sheets and i don't understand why jones coming in and drawing attention from the defense is a bad thing he's not going to get any double teams all year with eight in the box on henry and julio on the other side okay brian
3: who is your third round player you would reach for in the second round
4: I was going to go AJ Brown, but I thought I'd mix it up a Good. little bit for the sake of the show. I went with Allen Robinson, who uh, who might be safer than AJ Brown. Maybe, Maybe the, the ceiling not as high, but mm. Allen Robinson, one of three wide receivers last season with 150 plus targets. Uh, can you guess the other two guys? By the way, real quick. Other two Julio receivers? Jones. No,
3: oh, he's missed too much time. Uh, Target
4: Hogs, Diggs. Diggs is one. Hopkins. Got it. Yes. And Allen Robinson. <laughs> Dev- now, Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen would have cleared that threshold, but they, they got a in, little injured. But uh, Allen Robinson, whether or not it's Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, it'll probably be both uh, a significant upgraded quarterback either way. And uh, he'll be a ta- target hog again and a very safe pick with a pretty 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 sexy ceiling still, I think.
3: Pretty, pretty sexy. The round three player I am reaching for in round two is Terry McLaurin. Terry- Terry McLaurin. He is the best receiver on an ascending offense led by a quarterback who can press the ball downfield, something Terry has never had before. Terry. He is going to get the best quarterbacking of his life, and he was already a wide receiver one producer. He has the opportunity to be a top five fantasy receiver. And by talent, he might even already be there by talent, but it's been suppressed by the likes of Alex Smith. So I take Terry McLaurin as my reach-a-round player in round three. Let's go to round four. Matt, who is the player you're reaching for, the fourth-round player reaching for in round three?
5: Uh, That's Chris Godwin. The upside is the top wide receiver in the game because in 2019, with Jameis Winston at the helm, he finished as the second overall wide receiver behind Michael Thomas, and it was that Michael Thomas year where he caught 50 more passes than anyone else in the league. Uh, Godwin was also dinged up last year, so a healthy Godwin
4: can probably win you your league. Okay. Brian, who
3: is the fourth-round player you'd take in the
4: third round? Oh, you know it's Kyle Pitts, and the Falcons were not drafting a tight end in Kyle Pitts. They were drafting Julio Jones' replacement, who they knew they were going to lose a couple months later. Uh, A guy they did not utilize in the red zone, Julio Jones, but they're going to utilize Kyle Pitts in the red zone, the infrared zone the end zone you've decided he's going to be catching passes in the auto zone oh i've decided this <laughs> hayden hurst russell gage brandon powell and laquan treadwell combined to score 11 touchdowns inside the 10 yard line last year those are all going to kyle pitts
3: every last one of them every mm-hmm. last
4: one of them and then some who i prognosticated last week will score more touchdowns and teammate calvin ridley this year kyle pitts in the th- third round i've done it plenty i'm not i'm not i'm going by what i say <laughs> Not just saying the
3: fourth round player I'm taking in the third round, Lamar Jackson. You know, you talked two years ago, Matt, about Chris Godwin. How yeah. about two years ago, Lamar Jackson won league single-handedly. Uh-huh. He was one of the best fantasy players ever, and that was just we're just one year removed from that. It could easily snap right back. He's he was not that that non-functional last year. He was actually. A pretty solid contributor most of the time. He just didn't have the gaudy passing numbers. And I know the receivers hurt right now, but by the time the season gets here, his receiver group will be back in shape. Sammy Watkins will be there. Uh, Marquise Brown will be healthy. Everybody but Bateman will be ready to roll. I think Lamar Jackson still got freaky upside, and I want a piece of that. As we continue our reach around, Matt, which fifth-round player Will you take in the fourth round?
5: I've done this several times uh, in my underdog drafts. It's Adam Thielen, who's emerged as Kirk Cousins' favorite red zone threat even before Kyle Rudolph left the team, which is uh, interesting. If healthy, his downside is probably 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns, but his upside is 1,300-plus and double-digit
3: scores, so I like Adam Thielen right there. All right. Brian, who is your fifth-round player you'd take in the fourth round?
4: I'm going with Cooper Cup, who was wide receiver five in 2019. That was with Jared Goff at quarterback, uh, who went off the rails last year for the Rams. Goff, that is a uh, clear upgrade at quarterback this year for Cup with Matt Stafford coming into town. And, you know, as long as Cup stays healthy, uh, even when we're reaching around for him in the, the fourth round, uh, this is a steal with a healthy Cooper Cup.
3: All right. I also had Cooper Cup for many of the same reasons. Nice. That offense is going to be so much better, and Cup's going to bounce back nicely. Let's go to round number six of our reach around. Matt, who is the player, the sixth round player, you would take in the fifth round?
5: Uh, it's Justin Air Bear. Come on, Chuck.
3: There it is. Yeah. You, um, said it, you said it nice and
5: slowly. I, for I tried. Me. I yeah. appreciate that. Uh, I said he'd finish only behind Patrick Mahomes on last week's Peacock Off, and you can uh, listen to that on uh, any of your favorite podcast
3: platforms, including okay.
5: iHeartRadio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I better put my money where my mouth is and
3: I better draft him in the fifth round. Okay. Brian, who is the sixth round player you are
4: reaching for in round five? I'm going with Denver's rookie running back, Javante Williams, who I just think flat out. Uh, beats out Melvin Gordon at some point this year, sort of ha- has a head start already in training camp. Gordon's been a little dinged up and uh, I kind of like this Denver offense. They have the pass catchers do too. to keep defenses honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quarterback a little bit of a question mark, but maybe that means they just lean on the run game a little more and I just really like what I've seen out of Javante Williams. Of course, he hasn't played in the pros yet, but uh, I've seen enough of Melvin Gordon, so I'll take a, a chance on Javante in the fifth.
3: I'm feeling better. I'm, I'm starting to really vibe on the Denver offense in part because Starting to think Drew Lock might just be okay, and all I need is just like <laughs> adequate quarterbacking. You're, really, you're really convincing
5: yourself of I, this.
3: Well, a little bit. I, you know, he's looked he he looked very good against the Vikings' right. uh, second and third stringers, and mm-hmm. you know, granted, that's not a great it's not a great way to judge. But um, the training camp reports have been largely positive, and it's not like quarterbacks never get better. We mentioned Josh Allen recently earlier in the show as an as a inaccurate passer who got a lot better. Drew Locke's got room to get better. If he does, I like that offense a lot. But that's not my answer. The sixth-round player I'm taking in the fifth round, T.J. Hawkinson. I think in a tier Ooh. by himself after the big three tight ends, then you've got Hawkinson, and then you've got everybody else. I know... Oh, you got got Pitts significantly lower than Hawkinson. I do. I like Hawkinson a lot. I think he's way, way safer than Pitts, who comes in with all the unknowns of a rookie player. Hawkinson, in his third year, that's a blow-up year for tight ends on a team that's going to be trailing most of the time, needs to pass, and has no functional receivers. Our reach-around continues into the seventh round. Who is the player, who is the seventh round player, Matt, you would take in the sixth round? Uh, I've got
5: Cortland Sutton, and last year he was being drafted in the third or fourth round. Yeah, he missed the whole season due to injury, but he's certainly a guy with that pedigree of a guy that you can take three rounds earlier. So Mm -hmm. uh, I like Cortland Sutton, and you guys just mentioned how you're starting to believe
4: in the Denver Broncos offense a little bit. A little bit. All right, Brian, who's the seventh round player you'd take in the sixth round? I love me some Tyler Boyd, who is the cheapest of Cincinnati's three wide receivers when Mm -hmm. it comes to ADP right now. Boyd was wide receiver eight in the first half of the season last year with a healthy Joe Burrow. And, uh, yes, Jamar Chase wasn't there, uh, but Boyd and Burrow clicking uh, last year together. I've been clicking in camp so far. I think he leads uh, the Cincinnati wide receivers in uh, production this year.
3: The seventh-round player I'm taking in the sixth round is Damian Harris, the Patriots running back, who is getting all the run with the first team. Um, he is coming off the field for third some third downs, and that's just who he is. I don't think he's going to be a PPR helper, really. That's
5: James White's territory. Largely James yeah.
3: White's territory, and maybe others. But Harris is running hard and has looked good. And let's remember, as frustrating as running backs can be for the Patriots, they're only like two seasons removed from like, Garrett Blunt having the most rushing touchdowns in the NFL. And so, Harris
5: was the Patriots' best player last year, like overall.
3: If you, best it, offensive player yeah, for you sure. Know, you know that's that. Is, you can certainly make a case for that. Now, obviously, this year it's Jono Smith. Maybe we'll talk more about him later. Let's move to the eighth round of our reach around. We're going to go through ten rounds, and let's pick up Matt with the eighth round player. You would take in the seventh round.
5: Uh, I got Robert tons of Uh He's been the standout in Packers camp so far. Caught eleven touchdowns last season. Packers don't run the ball near the stripe nearly as much as they probably should, mm-hmm. thus making Devontae Adams and Robert Tunyon super valuable as you get closer and closer to the end zone.
3: Makes sense. Brian, this the uh, eighth-round player you would take in the seventh round.
4: The one Houston Texan I'm willing to roster this year is Brandon Cooks, and I'd take him in the seventh round. I uh, really don't know what's going to happen. at quarterback in Houston looking like a, a Tarod Taylor, a week one start. All I know is uh, for Deshaun Watson when the feds are involved. <laughs> not looking too good for his prospects uh, this year and beyond, but uh, regardless of quarterback, Cooks will see a ton of volume and positive game scripts for wide receivers, that's for sure. I think 80 catches, 1,200 yards is in the cards, and he'll get you four, five, six touchdowns as well. I'll take that in the seventh round.
3: My reach-around player that I'm taking in the seventh round with an eighth-round average draft position, Debo Samuel, who I, I don't understand why he would go this low. This is a very, very promising offense. And Debo Samuel's a special talent. So good after the catch. And one of the one of the Debo Samuel stats that we have talked about on previous shows, he had the shortest average throw last year when it was Nick Mullins and sure. CJ Beathard and know, whoever His else. His average ball. depth of target, average depth of target was like three yards. Okay, it's going to stretch out this one way or another. Really, it's going to be longer downfield. And Debo Samuel is so strong and so special after the catch that I believe he is sitting on a vastly superior season than the one he had last year. His value being suppressed a great deal, I think, just because of the injuries and the bad quarterback play from last season. All right, let's go to the ninth round of our reach around. Give me a ninth-round player you would take in the eighth round, Matt. Another guy I've done uh, a a lot of uh, reaching on is Zach Moss. We've outlined it
5: a few times. Moss is the best pure runner, pass blocker, and pass catcher on the Bills roster. But he's getting that injury-prone label. If healthy, though, if healthy,
4: Mm -hmm. maybe. Yeah, Zach Moss, let's go. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for all the reasons Matt said. and. They, Josh Allen can succeed at the goal line, but they don't want him to consistently take those hits. Zach Moss wasn't available to them to take yeah. those goal. Line. He will be this year. He's going to stay healthy. We're going to be positive.
3: Yeah, let's let's hope that's the case. And I, you guys know I'm 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 Camp Moss. I, I want Zach to be great, but I'm taking AJ Dillon here because <laughs> I, I feel safer. You're throwing for, a wrench in. There. I, to feel safer about AJ Dillon, and and here's why. I know that this is a this is I know he's going to get carries because I know Aaron Jones isn't going to be a 300 touchback. That's just not okay. how they ever use him. So I know there is a sizable role for A.J. Dillon. I want there to be a sizable role for Zach Moss, and there should be, but I can't tell you for certain there will be. A.J. Dillon is the ninth round player I would take in the tenth round. You're, you're going for safety with that pick instead of the upside.
5: George. Yeah, a little bit. That's I, I, what I like me, by the when way. When I'm reaching, I'm always going for the upside.
3: Let's move our reach around to the 10th round. Give me a 10th round player you would take in the 9th round, Matt.
5: Uh, Jalen Waddle. Let's see who Tua's favorite wide receiver is. Uh, probably his college teammate and a first-round pick. It's not often you see rookie wide receivers slide right into the top of the depth chart, especially with capable players surrounding him. So Jalen Waddle. he's impressed in camp. All
3: right. Brian.
4: I mentioned uh, earlier in the show how Corey Davis has really been clicking with Zach Wilson, so I would take him here in the ninth round. Uh, Right now, going uh, off the board at wide receiver receiver 50, uh, that's way too late for a guy who's going to command the most targets on the team, I think, especially in the red zone. Uh, They just paid the guy a ton of money. I I still like Corey Davis.
3: The reach-around player I'm going to take in the ninth round with a tenth-round average draft position is Tyler Higbee, tight end for the Rams. Last year, if you combined Gerald Everett and Tyler Higbee into one tight end, you had tight end five. Mm -hmm. Gerald Everett is now in Seattle. Higbee is basically running alone with tight ends, and he'll be on the field way, way more than he ever has been before. I'm going to try Tyler Higbee as that player, that tight end. If you slept that tight end position, I feel pretty confident about going to war with Tyler Higbee. Our final reach around round is the 11th round player you would take in the 10th round, Matt. Uh, I'm
5: I'm looking for that upside play again, and I think the biggest upside in this round was Justin Fields. Once he starts, his accuracy and elusiveness should make him one of the most dangerous players in the league and could be just a fantasy all-star for the second half of the season. Brian, who
3: is your 11th-round player you would take in the 10th round?
4: I'm going with Jamal Williams uh, now with the Detroit Lions. Uh, We talked about TJ Hawkinson earlier. We're going to talk about the Detroit passing game later. But outside of Hawkinson, Jamal Williams might be the best receiver on that team. And he certainly can handle running back duties, especially if DeAndre Swift goes down. He's already been a little banged up in camp already. I'm not convinced he can stay uh, healthy a whole season or be a workhorse for that matter.
3: I also had Justin Fields league winning upside. If everything breaks right Mm -hmm. for Justin Fields, if he can pass and throw. Yeah, that's really, really tempting, isn't it? It is. Yeah. That'd be great. Well, there you go. This year's reach around is in the books. When we come back, our final segment of fantasy football weekly, including our sleepers for this week and the key teams with vacated targets An opportunity to fill in with a new player. Stay tuned. Final segment, Fantasy Football Weekly, coming up next.
1: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs)
3: Final segment, Fantasy Football Weekly. If you've always wanted to try Guillotine League, this is the time. Not only can you find publicly available guillotine leagues at guillotineleagues.com, but if you've got friends who want to play, we support guillotine leagues, private leagues with you and your friends, anywhere from eight to eighteen teams. Now, if it's an eight-team league. It will end at the end after week seven. There will be one team left, and that will be the champion. And what some people are doing, they will redraft. Then they will run two leagues inside of one season. You can have run a league and run a league. You could do that with up to nine players. You could do a an eight, an eight run uh, run your guillotine league through mm-hmm. week eight and then through nine through sixteen, and there you go. Okay, you've got uh, you like can it. have you can have two winners in one year. You never get that in a regular fantasy league. A uh, double chop. I, I like, kind of like. Well, it's a, you can win twice. Chop chop. Now, <laughs> going back to back would be very impressive, right? Because you'll redraft after the first one is over. Mm-hmm. If you could go back to back in that, that'd I mean, be pretty impressive feat. Yeah. Game of skill. So yeah, you could do that. Uh, let's talk about vacated targets, Brian. I asked you to come give me the teams that have the most vacated targets so we can try to identify some players who maybe haven't really performed at the level that we want. But because there's so many now, there's so many available receptions that we think there's room, there's a vacuum for these new players to come in.
4: Yeah, definitely. Uh, And we're going to start with Detroit, who uh, has the most... Vacated targets more than
3: Everybody, yeah. (laughs) Like the
4: history of the game, and I'm not sure if they had uh, prior knowledge of Jared Goff coming to town, so they all (laughs) flee, right? Yeah. But those guys are Kenny Galladay, Mm -hmm. Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, all on new teams. They accounted for 362 of the Lions' 562 pass attempts last year. They have all left town. Uh, That was also almost 73 percent of Detroit's air yards. Uh, gone, so a lot of opportunity uh, for some new uh, faces in Detroit. Uh, yeah, I want to mention fifty percent of the targets from inside the ten yard line for Detroit also gone.
3: Wow, that's um, um. Now the question then is, all right. So other than T.J. Hawkins, yes, we love Hawkins, we love, and mm-hmm. we think he's going to he's sitting on a big year. Who are the players that could potentially fill that void? Now earlier in the show, we made passing reference to the fact that. Tyrell Williams appears to be the leading receiver there. Mm-hmm. Um, we know what Brashad Perryman's all about, and that's you know, the occasional deep bomb. So, you know, we're gonna you watch when we're doing our um our take a chance of me receivers, sure. We're gonna be sprinkling in some Brashad Perryman from time to time, I think. Yep. Um, and maybe a little Tyrell Williams. Some people think Amon Ra St. Brown is going to be a number one receiver for that team before long. He- Scott
4: Fish is one of them. Amon Ross Eight Brown has the highest ADP among all the <laughs> oh, Detroit yeah, wide receivers right yeah. now at wide receiver seventy two. Tyrell Williams, who uh you said as of late, looks like the number one wide receiver uh in camp. Uh again, Hawkinson, we expect to be the leading mm-hmm. just receiver overall. And then Prashad Perryman, who definitely showed flashes late uh with the Bucks in twenty nineteen, had a monster to Remember that to yeah. the season got him too. a big contract one year with the Jets. Yeah. And he had some decent games for the Jets last year. So like you said, I don't know who to recommend out of these guys. I would almost go with the cheapest one. Mm-hmm. Tyrell Williams has looked great at times, but there haven't been Not a lot often. of those times because no. he's always hurt. But then again, he has left the Chargers, who are kind of cursed at wide receiver, it seems like, with injuries almost. I want to put more bad juju on them yeah. uh, with Keenan Allen and yeah. Mike Williams already hurt, but – uh I don't know, but like you said, it's really all about T.J. Ho- Hawkinson, but uh, someone's going to have to step up at wide receiver, and I don't know if it's going to be rookie Amon Russ St. Brown, and one other guy is uh, Quintez Cephas, uh, a long-shot receiver, but Ugh. we just have to see how this plays out. But again, nearly 63% of the targets vacated for Detroit, and uh, a new quarterback in Jared Goff, it's, it'll, it'll be... Interesting to see how that shakes out.
3: All right. Uh, give me the second, the team, the number two team with the most vacated targets.
4: Uh, the Tennessee Titans uh, with nearly 34% of their targets vacated. Uh, Corey Davis gone. Adam Humphreys gone. And your boy, of course, Jonu Jonu Smith gone. Uh, that uh, Those guys accounted for uh, over 2,100 air yards from the Titans last year. That was nearly 57% wow. of their air yards. and. The guys who came in at first, it was just Josh Reynolds, right? And we're like, okay, it's Anthony Firkser season, and right, Josh right. Reynolds is, is something. And AJ Brown was my number one receiver yeah. mm-hmm. at that moment. We're like 200 targets for AJ yeah. Brown in the bank. Uh, but of course, the Titans uh, traded for Julio Jones, uh, who comes in. Who I do not hate, by the way. If you listen to last week's show, <laughs> I, I hate his red zone usage or lack thereof uh, throughout his career. With The Falcons, but uh, the Titans, uh, uh, with those players I mentioned, uh, 485 targets gone, 15 vacated targets inside the 10 yard line. Um, I was, I'm just not excited about Josh Reynolds now, though. That oh, Julio no, Jones no, is in town. Nope,
3: that's the end of it.
4: It's that. really a matter of how much is Julio going to take from AJ Brown's supposed leap into superstardom this year.
3: And I, I still love AJ Brown, he's still like my number five wide receiver. Um, but and and I think. Julio Jones may actually make AJ Brown more consistent than he might have been otherwise, because when he was all alone, I figured there were going to be some teams that would just like triple-team AJ Brown. They're going to you know, sell out to stop AJ
5: Brown and Derrick Henry, takes. and that's yeah, it. That's it,
3: right? Yeah. And just from somebody else is going to make Anthony Ferkser
5: beat us, beat us. us. <laughs> right?
4: Right. Well, I can't wait just to see if it was an Atlanta thing with the Julio red zone, end zone usage. Because, again, about 50% are up for grabs for Tennessee this year. And Julio has the size. He has the skill. Mm -hmm. So, uh... I hope they they utilize him a lot more in the. All
3: room. right, what's the number three team with the most vacated targets?
4: Uh, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Jared Cook have left town. That opens up uh, nearly eleven targets per game for the Saints. And, You're uh, not over, even counting Michael Thomas. Yeah, let's get to right? that. Of course, any targets intended for Michael Thomas are essentially vacated for at least yeah. the first four to six weeks of the regular season. So, a lot of opportunity in New Orleans. We're looking at guys, and, and they haven't brought in anybody yet. They're, oh, are, they're looking in. house yeah. yeah. At Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway, mm-hmm. Will Jordan Humphrey. Yeah. Best name in the NFL, by mm-hmm. the way. <laughs> Will Jordan. Love that. Some think Adam Troutman is a sleeper tight end, but uh again, right now let's talk about Michael Thomas. Let's go back there. Wide receiver forty four right now in <laughs> I mean, are you a, wow? Yeah, that's like round well, eight, round nine. Are you yeah. you're gonna have to sit on him for a while, but
3: it all depends. Could be all year. It all depends on the size of your bench, and it could be all year. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, we don't even know. Are they even on speaking terms at that point? Yeah. And the Saints might
5: be bad this year. I they think, might be really, really bad.
3: There is no, t- I feel like there's no team that is, that is more safe to bet the under win total on. The win total on them is still nine. Yeah. There, that is the most safe under win total
4: in the NFL. I agree. Let's get negative. Make saw, some money. Yeah. I saw Terrell Owens and he was adamant about it. Says he can still play. At of course At 47 years old. Let's go, Saints. There's no better place for Terrell Owens to attempt to come back than New Orleans. Well, right now, Marquez Calloway uh, is, looks like the favorite to be the, you know, the, I the top. I think Traquan Smith will be I'm, I'm on more one. on the Traquan Smith, uh, especially That's in step. best ball. He has those spike weeks, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more on board with Traquan Smith. But a lot of vacated targets in, uh, in New Orleans. We'll see how those get uh, spread around. Okay. And uh, lastly, uh, the Atlanta Falcons uh, lost Julio, of course. Uh, and a, uh, a fair amount of targets lost from Todd Gurley. Brian Hill and Edo Smith, nearly 80 targets there. Uh, so after Jones was shipped to the Titans, uh, 213 total vacated targets for Atlanta, nearly 1,200 air yards, uh, more than a quarter of uh, Atlanta's targets inside the 10. Even though none of those went to Julio, those were all really the running backs that I'd mentioned. Uh, but this is all going back to Kyle Pitts. That's all that matters. The only player <laughs> it's, it's, coming it's in all that matters is you. Kyle Pitts. Uh, last Man. year, Atlanta was fourth in pass attempts, fifth in passing yards. Mm-hmm. Earlier in the show, I mentioned the targets from inside the 10-yard line were guys like Russell Gage, Hayden Hurst, Laquan Treadwell were having success. Pitts is going to command those targets all over the place. Predict a minimum of 120 targets for Pitts. <laughs> I'm, you can laugh now, Church. He's going to have a splash flat factor of a Randy Moss or a Megatron. He's that much of a freak athlete. So uh, I hope you're right. Uh, Brian, On in all of your leagues this year, in the
5: flex position, what percentage will be tight ends this year? Because um, I feel like it's about 98% mm-hmm. for you.
4: And, I mean, you know, 20 Best <laughs> so Baseball Dan, Dan 40. Arnold.
3: Dan Arnold's your starter. Yeah, Darren Waller. And then Darren Waller, and
4: then you're well, somehow
3: going to flex in a third tight end.
4: And it'll be over two thirds of my team. Arnold is a third tight end drafted, but I will we'll utilize him. But no, I've got Waller and Pitts. I've been going second round Waller. Sure, Pitts in the third all day long. Yeah, like, over like okay. over eighty percent. <laughs> ownership percentage on those guys—it's insane. I'm all in, but all right. Let's get, let's get to our sleepers. Are you done? Are you done with this? Is I, this sleeper going to be a tight just, end? Just mention a couple great. lone players who left that might open up some opportunities on some teams. Will Fuller leaving Houston, so some people like Nico Collins I down do. in Houston last now. Pi- last pick of the draft, and uh, Nelson Aguilar leaving Las Vegas. Uh, he saw a decent amount of targets, had seven, eight touchdowns. Uh, a lot of people excited about. Brian Edwards for the Raiders this year. But yeah. Hunter Renfro was supposedly flaming Jalen Ramsey in yeah, joint Jaylen practice. Jalen
3: Ramsey did not agree with that assessment. I'm sure he, he may did You be it. interested
4: to know. Yeah, so we'll, we'll leave that up to, you know, maybe a, a third party. Jalen anyway. Ramsey might be falling off that Josh Norman cliff.
3: <laughs> no, that, yeah, remember when that happened. <laughs> it yeah, came it, on it quick.
4: Came fa- it does come fast for uh, for cornerbacks. Let's
3: get to our three sleepers of the week, beginning with Matt Harrison. Who is yours this week? Terrace Marshall Jr., the third. Uh,
5: 6'3, 200 pounds, the biggest of the rookie wide receiver blue chippers, played for offensive coordinator Joe Brady at LSU, the same school that produced Justin Jefferson last season. And by the way, Terrace Marshall did not drop a single pass in the red zone at LSU has had some highlight reel catches in joint practices Mm -hmm. with the Colts and Ravens already, especially looking good with the high-pointing and contested catches. He's also the only rookie wide receiver with two catches of 20-plus yards so far in the preseason, including a 59-yarder on his first drive. Robbie Anderson already dealing with a hamstring injury, and those are naggy. And Curtis Samuel's 97 vacated targets. Uh, That makes Terrace Marshall one of my favorite plays.
3: It was one year ago today when I unveiled Janu Janu as my sleeper <laughs> of the year. And for five weeks, I looked brilliant. He was five touchdowns in five weeks. He was the highest scoring tight end in many formats. Giannu he was a top was.
4: 20 running back, I think. And all <laughs> yeah, back. He had like two rushing down. touchdowns.
3: Right. <laughs> it was all, it all was brilliant for five weeks. And then he sprained his ankle and they treated him like a blocking tight end for the rest of the year. Now he goes to the Patriots. And for about five hours, Janu Janu looked like he was going to go right back to the same level of love that I had for him. Maybe even more. Then they, put in, then they signed Hunter Henry, and, and people just basically wrote off Janu Janu. His average draft position right now is round 14. That love is it. too low too for low. the best receiver on the team and the best athlete on the Patriots. Josh McDaniels is lining up lining him up all over the field, including at running back, which I love. Oh. Um, and I think I mentioned this in a previous show. Here's Bill Belichick one year before signing Johnu Smith, when they were they were meeting for a playoff game. And Belichick said this about Johnu Smith then. He's probably the best in the league after the catch. Bill Belichick is going to use Johnu. Big time.
5: Are you afraid of all your Damian Harris shares losing out to John?
3: <laughs> <As> running back. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if he gives up a couple of games, a couple of each game to John, Janu Um, he played not in the Thursday night uh, game. He rested for the Thursday night game week before that. He had a crossing route re- reception. And he broke, he broke two tackles on the play and looked fantastic. It's only one play, but I don't care.
4: John, John, <laughs> my sleeper of the
3: week, Brian, who is yours?
4: I'm going uh, a little deeper uh, with Tyron Johnson, wide receiver for the Chargers. Uh, right now, it looks like he'll win uh, the third wide receiver job. But Maybe. Mike Williams, mm-hmm. always hurt for L.A., it seems. And, and underperforming. Are that, they converting him to a tight end, though, Brian? Not not yet. <laughs> no, they got Donald Parham a tight end. We already talked about him. But Tyron Johnson, undrafted free agent, has scored a touchdown on his first touch for every team he's played for since 12 years old. And that includes what? with the Chargers last year. What? His first catch. Are you serious? The first t- That's weird. That's what the internet tells me. I did some fact checking on that. But uh Johnson, and you got his Pee Wee football stats. Uh, right? <laughs> not a ton of opportunity last year, only had twenty catches, but four hundred yards and three touchdowns on those twenty catches. We played the extrapolation mm-hmm. game. He gets oh, the opportunity. Gosh. We're talking big time numbers here. A, a definite dynasty stash right now if you got spot on your roster or not uh, yeah if someone if, you want to keep an eye if on
3: Mike Williams doesn't pan out Tyron Johnson is sitting he's sitting to take that spot either through injury or incompetence on Williams part that said people love Williams right now and he's getting he's getting drafted aggressively by people who just want a piece of that charger's offense with Justin Herbert mm-hmm. which I can understand Whoa. <laughs> you know he's not being drafted aggressively or maybe too aggressively for us our taste. Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Where's, fade. give me the spot you take Saquon Barkley quickly.
5: Uh, in a guillotine league, not at all. Okay. And in, a, re- in a
4: regular league, probably mid second round. Okay. I, I Darren Waller will, will be available in the second when if Barkley's there. I'm taking Waller over Barkley, so I'm just not taking Barkley. Someone else is going like, to take him before I do. Yeah, third, Probably the third round for me in most leagues. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening to the
3: show. If you missed any part of it, check out the podcast of Fantasy Football Weekly if you're listening to this over the air. Available on the iHeartRadio app and everywhere else that you love to get your podcasts. Talk to you in a week, everybody. Bye-bye.
1: Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help,
0: call 1-800-GAMBLER. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.